0: This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, JOY. Keep JOY on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to JOY.org.au. JOY, a diverse sound for a diverse community. LGBTIQ health Australia acknowledges the traditional onus of country throughout Australia, their diversity, histories and knowledge, and their continuing connections to land and community. We pay our respects to all First Nations people and their cultures and to elders of past, present and future generations. Hello and welcome to the latest in LGBTIQ plus health and policy, the show that brings you conversations with leading voices in LGBTIQ plus health and well-being. I'm your host, Triana Butler. Thanks for being here. Joining me today on the latest is Anthony Van Brown, the founder of an organization that was called Freedom To Be, and now founder and CEO of Ambassadors and Bridge Builders International. Now, Anthony's written a book. It is called A Life of Unlearning, A Preacher's Struggle with His Homosexuality, Church, and Faith. It's got a forward on it from the Honorable Michael Kirby. It is quite an important book. Uh, And he's with us today to talk about his book, tell us a little bit about his story, as well as his work advocating for the LGBTIQ plus community within faith spaces. Now obviously talking about the church and LGBTIQ plus people can be a little challenging so if that's something that is likely to upset you, you can contact QLife if you need someone to talk about it. They provide Australia-wide anonymous LGBTI peer support and referral for people wanting to talk about a whole range of issues. Call 1-800-184-527 or head to their website qlife.org.au for the web chat. With that in mind, here is my conversation with Anthony Van Brown. Anthony, welcome. Your book, A Life of Unlearning. I know we met what back at Sydney World Pride, and you were like, "Here's my book. You got to read this." And I am getting caught. for those who haven't seen <laughs> A Life of Unlearning. It's you, you had it to tell me like it was a business card, Anthony.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my <laughs> board say that's
0: your expensive business card. <laughs> So the book is called A Life of Unlearning, A Preacher's Struggle with His Homosexuality, Church and Faith. And it's all about your journey of reconciling faith and sexuality. Tell us a little bit about your story
1: for those who are not familiar with you and your work. Sure. Look, um, I used to be a famous Pentecostal preacher. Happy clappies uh, <laughs> and, and used to preach in all the mega churches around Australia um, in Melbourne, Adelaide and Sydney and, and Hill was one of those was one of those churches. Uh, but of course I've been struggling with my sexuality since my teenage years and um, it was actually my homosexuality that drove me into Christianity. Because I tried, I tried psychiatry, and you know, tried my own willpower, and nothing was happening. Um, So I became a born again Christian in 1969, before most of your listeners were born. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, and that, you know, I think that was the answer. But of course, you know, then there were all these other options to help me. Uh, change supposedly which were exorcisms which happened in New Zealand and then there were uh, lots of prayer um, and then I went into a residential conversion therapy program which actually was there was only two in the world at that stage in 1971 Wow, so that was yeah. really early on. Yeah, really early on. Yeah, yeah. I'm walking history, as Jason Mctosh um, McShane <laughs> <laughs> said said about me. Listen to Anthony; it's like listening to history. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, I was in there and, you know, uh, people have all sorts of ideas about what that, and it isn't electric shock and it isn't, you know, aversion, aversion therapy. It was very much about conforming to gender roles. I could only do stuff outside. I learned how to change the oil in a combi. <laughs> you know, those, those manly things that you do, not like cooking <laughs> and cleaning. And so, um. But it is very. It was very, very, you know, um, gender specific. And uh, if I was in this this closed, protected environment, um, then what would happen through my prayers and you know, be involved in the church all the time, that I would not. Uh, de- temptation would diminish and my true heterosexuality would come to the fore. <laughs> I'm going to guess that didn't happen. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, in fact, you know, it was actually quite an abusive environment as well. One of their tactics was to um, humiliate you because they said, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that, that says pride is as the sin of witchcraft. So, you know, they wanted to get rid of that. So... Um, I left after six months um, and then soon after that I got married and then after that we had two beautiful daughters and then I began preaching. And But, you know, your sexual orientation never leaves you. So behind the scenes, you know, there were, it was like, for me it was like an addiction, you know. It was... I know that psych- psychologists don't talk about sexual addiction uh, but for me it was. It was like an obsession, you know, and I i would get so stressed out then I would go to a meet and then I'd have like 30-second sex with, you know, mutual masturbation with some stranger and then come away hating myself for what I'd done and praying that it would never, ever happen again. So that was the journey. Um, And then in 1991, everything changed. (laughs) So what then happened in 1991? What happened was I let my guard down. (laughs) I was, uh, it was just weeks before my 40th birthday and people talk about, you know, a midlife crisis. Well, I I was a classic ready for it. (laughs) Because, you know, there there is this person that you have buried for decades and it's screaming out, time's running out, when do I get to live? And uh, at one of those encounters at a beat, I met a guy and I called Jason in the book, and uh, we had this encounter and I was in a motel room, so we had time. (laughs) We didn't have to be rushed, And and I experienced tenderness and I experienced... Affection, and I experienced intimacy, and 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 moments of absolute pleasure and delight that I'd never experienced before. And um, he said, "I'm when you in Brisbane again, you know, you know. <laughs> um, here's my number if you want to catch up with me." And my rule, of course, was never see anybody a second time. That's dangerous, you know. Keep your guard up. But I did, and you know, within a couple of weeks, I was head over heels in love with this guy. And then, of course, when that happened, I I realized I've been I've been working at this for over two decades, nearly three, and and here I am now falling in love with a man. Face the reality, Anthony, (laughs) you're gay and you can't change it no matter what. And I was exhausted too, Triana totally exhausted. So um, I ended up resigning from the ministry. I did a public confession in front of the church of about 800, which, you know, that's the first chapter, which can be quite traumatic for some people to read. Um, And um, then 12 months later I walked away from everything, you know, family, faith, church, friends, everything, yeah and began to live my life as an openly gay man. But probably I should say, Triana, because I think this is important. You know, people have empowering moments of coming out and a sense of pride and all, you know, liberation and freedom. Yeah. Mine wasn't like that at all mine was a reluctant acceptance so uh, i always talk about when i talk about coming out there are two types of acceptance there's an acceptance which is celebration and you know and embracing your true self and it's, and everyone's going you're wonderful for me it was full of shame and a sense of failure and uh, every negative emotion you can attach to it that's what was attached to my accepting myself
0: so how do you get then from a point of accepting yourself Through that background and that environment of, well, that atmosphere of of shame that was really there in in 1990s, early 1990s, to now where you're an advocate for the LGBTIQ plus community inside those faith spaces.
1: You know, it's it's a journey which um, I wish I had the magic formula for everybody. Just, you know, do A, B, C, D, then everything will be okay but uh, it doesn't always work like that. So my journey, and this is the same, I think, for a lot of people from my sort of background, is that there's a period of somewhere between five to 10 years where, you know, you don't want to look at it, you don't want to talk about it, you know, anything. Then there can come a point where you you start to dig deeper, ask some questions, face some of the trauma, deal with some of the grief um for me it was a very very spiritual experience so what inspired you to start freedom to be and
0: then you know now obviously ambassadors and bridge builders international look
1: you know what what happened was when a life of unlearning hit the shelves to say my inbox was inundated would be, you know, it's not an exaggeration, and I answered every single email from all these people because they, you know, they they were writing to me and sharing personal details about thoughts of suicide, attempts of suicides, and families have, like heartbreaking stories. You just can't like go okay, delete, delete. You you've got to engage with these people. And I felt honoured that they actually wrote to me, you know. Um, and, of course, I they always, they always told me the book was fabulous. <laughs> um, but so I, I had already been running a uh, Yahoo group, which once again dates me. <laughs> so in 2000, I started a Yahoo group that I called XXGay. So this is the people who have been through Exodus programs and that sort of stuff, and there were 400 in that group. And I was running that, you know, and that's a lot of work because you're dealing with some very hurt people and I, I didn't have all the answers, but I had been on a journey. So um, that was quite, consum- because I had no funding or anything, you know, uh, the, the LGBT community were not really interested in people of faith um, and, of course, there's no government funding for that. So I hear I'm trying to run a business and do this on the side, you know, so I could be working 80 to 100 hours a week. And then on top of that, then all the emails that are coming from a life of unlearning. And, of course, what I realised was, you know, we need a support network and there were groups for gay Mormons. There were groups for gay Catholics, for gay Anglicans, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but nothing for Pentecostals. So I started Freedom to Be, and it was an online forum, which was fantastic. And then um, uh, also we had chapter meetings, and um, Linda and Annette ran them, uh, uh, Linda and Michelle, sorry, ran them in Melbourne. Did an amazing job with that. We had one in Sydney as well and we had one in Brisbane for a while. So what was happening for me was after six years, once again, no funding, <laughs> try to run a business to fund yourself, you know. I, I, I used to burn out at least once a year, just, you know, but I kept going. But after a while, I realized we could be running ambulances down the bottom of the cliff forever. <laughs> what we need to do is build fences at the top of the cliff. <laughs> where the source of the problem is with the leadership, with the churches. And so that's why I started Ambassadors and Bridge Builders International, to reach out to churches, Christian leaders, Christian organisations, to engage them in dialogue and pro- provide resources and, uh, yeah, help them. So that's that's been that journey. So two non-for-profits. <laughs>
0: Well, you speak of the ambulances and, and, you know, we know that LGBTIQ plus people often face rejection from their faith communities. Over the time that you've been working with Freedom to Be and now ABBI, what, what kind of positive shifts have you seen in the approach of faith communities towards LGBTIQ plus people? Incredibly
1: slight Triana, incredibly slow. Oh, my God. But there are there are things that, that change, you know, and um, I, I've, I've seen, like, in Melbourne, you know, Pentecostal Church, Bayside, uh, become now completely affirming. But that's been over, you know, uh, quite a journey. Um, of course, the United Church, they have, are accepting of LGBTQ people. Um, but, of course, people have to watch it. You know, you can walk into a church, Say a Pentecostal church, like maybe Planet Shakers, (laughs) or a Hillsong church, or something, or an ACC church, or or a fundamental church, and and if you mention that you're gay, they will say, "Oh, we accept gay people," but, (laughs) or they might say, um, "They might say, oh, we welcome, oh, oh, you're welcome here," but. (laughs) <laughs> There'll always be a butt after those things, and I, I created this meme which went viral about those different positions: an anti-gay church, and ex- a welcoming church, accepting church. What we need to see is an affirming affirming churches. So it's we love you full stop. <laughs> there's no buts. There's no read the small print or anything else like that. there's it's never an issue you can sing in in the choir you can serve coffee in the foyer you can run a home group you can you can preach you're just a a person like everybody else
0: so on a a practical level you know how do they do that how could they become that really affirming church that lgbtiq plus people really need
1: it's, once again, it's quite a journey. And, and you know, I've worked with uh, the International YMCA. I went to the Czech Republic and worked with a microcosm of uh, people from all over the world, including Africa, um, and I had them in the room for several days. And I began that as a safe space to talk about these issues. And from that, then that group continued to work Till it got to the point where they presented the proposal to the international conference, and it was it was uh, agreed um, unanimously. But it will always no one moves to being anti-gay to being pro-gay in one hit. And you know, if people are in churches, um, there's a lot of work to do. You, talk, you know, people think it's all about the Bible verses. It's, no, I, I never go there first. I go there around attitudes about stereotyping you know all those things first of all okay now let's look at the bible verses and are they really talking about homosexuality or is it talking about temple prostitution or prostitution or rape you know that's what all those those only six passage six to eight passages really so it's quite a journey triana for that to happen uh, I know it takes it take first. Of all, we've got to build the relationship and the trust, and that takes time to do. You know, um, people have all sorts of concerns. I was invited to speak at a Catholic school recently, which I won't say where it was, and everything was go 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 go, go right up till it got to the diocese head. And they said, no, no. But, you know, I'm not going in there to go wave the rainbow flag or go, you know, everyone to, everyone to go. I'm going there to share my story about bullying, Talk about mental health issues, talking about acceptance and unconscious biases. So, you know, there's a whole lot of things just that the young people are experiencing that my story relates to them.
0: What I find really interesting about when people come out The people around them who are not affirming people, you know, the people who I suppose we could call anti-LGBTQ+, and up to that point, are the kind of people who have been saying things that are homophobic and transphobic and all these sort of things. Then someone in their life, someone in their orbit comes out and suddenly it changes for them, right? So, in terms of, you know, people who are at the church, obviously it doesn't happen overnight, but... Do you notice those kind of changes on a fairly kind of immediate level when you begin to make relationship with these people who are trying to be affirming?
1: For some people, they're ready. <laughs> they're already questioning. They're just wanting to have a safe space to talk about that because it's not what people would normally talk about. So some people can switch fairly quickly. Others, it takes time. And, I, I you know, like recently I was working with a guy came out in – just before 50, and when he spoke to his mother, she was immediately, you can't be gay, you know, from a Catholic background and, you know, very religious. um, And and I I just had to remind him, you know, hey, um, let's call him David, okay? David, um, just remember how long it took you to get to where you're at today. You just drop the bombshell and you want your mother to have that 50 years experience just like that. You have to give them the space, the time, and the more you pressure them, it's really, you know, about you being kind, about you being sensitive, about you being aware. It's not all about you. (laughs) They've got their journey to go on as well. I've written this thing called Two Journeys, which is about um, gay, lesbian and bisexual people in a heterosexual marriage. And I go through, so these are the processes that you will go through to to finally accept your sex orientation, which includes, you know, rejection and bargaining and all that sort of stuff. Um, when you come out to your heterosexual partner, they have begun that journey. mm And for you to be conscious of that, so what do they need at that point? They might want to do some bargaining, you know, they they might want, yeah, all sorts of things will go on, but um, you have to acknowledge that they're not going to be there instantaneously And, and be patient.
0: We are chatting with Anthony Van Brown, the founder and CEO of Ambassadors and Bridge Builders International, who are a member organisation of LGBTIQ plus Health Australia. Anthony, you know, there's growing awareness in Australia at the moment about the dangers of conversion practices. And we've seen in a few different states, there's been some reforms that have come through that have outlawed it. You know, what are the next steps to end these harmful practices?
1: The next step is getting once again to the source. I talked before about you know the 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 fences at the top of the cliff, because even if we have legislation, and and I'm I'm glad that the legislation gives people um, opportunities to educate themselves and you know that those sort of things, but um, you know if if you went into a Pentecostal evangelical charismatic church today and you did a survey what do you think of homosexuality they were you get everything from it's a sin it's a choice etc etc so and once again it comes back to those things you know I, I spent years working to close down the organizations that existed in australia and pretty well they're gone there's one that's hidden at the moment but that doesn't mean it's over (laughs) there are little prayer cells there's people with um inner healing ministries that they think they're very special you know and they can take you back to your past hurts and if they heal you of those then your sexuality or your gender identity confusion that will all be sorted out you know so that's where the work needs to be done, and, you know, I, I think that I pioneered this area of, like, instead of, you know, uh, condemning <laughs> and condem- instead of, you know, attacking, um, ch- endeavouring to engage in dialogue with, with people, and, um, you know, I've seen some, some wonderful results. I'd like to see more, <laughs> but getting to the source is about the belief, isn't it? That's, that's where the problem is.
0: Mm, it is, I mean, ultimately, you are changing people's hearts and minds, and that takes time and it takes effort, and you are one person. So <laughs> there yeah. is, you know, obviously not just you, there are a lot of people who are on a very similar journey and are, who are doing the hard work. But,
1: Triana, we should also should mention our wonderful allies, yeah. you know, that there are people out there which are having those conversations themselves. But, you know, I, I've written this thing called 15 Things I've Learned, <laughs> talking about homosexuality and Christianity, you know, and or you know all the things I did wrong <laughs> initially in forums and things. Um, there's a lot to learn in that journey, and I think it takes a... Some people can't do it because they're so angry, you know, or they've been so traumatised and they actually reinforce all the negatives (laughs) by condemning people and attacking people but that's you know i wouldn't respond if someone attacked me (laughs) i would respond you know positively i would withdraw but you know if you can if you could get in a space a safe create a safe space and show respect and of course there i should mention there the caveat of course is One of those 15 things is there's some people I just let go. (laughs) I don't, there's others to put time into and not to be wasting your time with people which are so already unwilling. It's not just ignorance, it's intentional ignorance.
0: Mm. Anthony, you know, it's fairly common when people who are LGBTIQ. Maybe they've been in the church for a while, and then they come out, and then they distance themselves from the church or from their their faith because of the experience that they've had in coming out. What advice do you have for those people who are feeling that you know, even though they've come out, spirituality is still a really important part of who they are and of their mental health and well being?
1: You know, I think um, back in the church, there's been trauma and you know it, you can't you're not in a place where can you can go back because it's too many triggers um you know i i, I have ptsd obviously <laughs> from the things that i i went through but over the years i've learned to to manage that um and uh, so the question being you know well, what can they do i think Give yourself space, give yourself hitting. There are spaces on the internet and on Facebook where you can find other people of, of the same faith, whether you be Catholic, whether you be Pentecostal. There are groups that you could, that, that was the beauty of Freedom to Be when we had it running. You know, we get 4,000 visits a month, you know, and all these stories, it was, it was wonderful. So I would say connect. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> that was my big lesson at one point in my life it was about eight years after I came out and I got involved with a, um, a personal development group and it was all about spirituality, philosophy, science and religion all mashed in together and that was my turning point because I was really confronted with lots of things that were very familiar to me that I used to preach about I thought, oh, could I still be gay and be a person of faith, can I still have a belief? Oh, okay, this is going to change everything, and it did.
0: (laughs) Well, to wrap this up, you know, how do you respond to people who maybe have not been on that journey yet and they claim that people who say that advocating for LGBTIQ plus rights isn't something that you can do if you're going to be a member of a faith community?
1: Oh, well... That's not going to change anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to reinforce the current model. You know, when when I do diversity inclusion workshops or if I'm going to be engaging someone in dialogue, I will run them through this little PowerPoint presentation I have, Triana, and I start off with the church one side, the LGBT community on the other side, and I talk about all the ways that, you know, the church looks at the LGBT community about, you know, and they see them as the Enemy, da 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 da, or stereotyping, you know, never engage, etc., etc. That's say actually, the same thing happens the other way too. And so, where does that get us? That doesn't get us anywhere, and hasn't for decades. And so, I, I then say, there's a new space that we can create, you know, where we have integrity, where we have show respect, where it's not about attacking, but it's about. It's not a one-way communication; it's a dialogue. So, you know, I, I, can, I can appreciate that there are people listening, you know, who hate religion, and I understand that. I really, really do understand that, you know, and, and I know where, where they're at and the way that they feel, but remember when you attack, there will be people in the middle, LGBTQ people of faith and honestly, every time we go for equality, it is always the very vocal right, Christians <laughs> who attack uh, who attack us um, and that happens every single time. so no wonder people hate religion. but remember that there are people within the churches who don't hold those things, who might not be as vocal, but even more important, you have this group of LGBTQ people in the middle who are who are copying it from both sides. <laughs> they're copying it from their faith community and they're copying it from the LGBT community who are anti-religion. That That's very hurtful and that model has not got us anywhere really.
0: Well, Anthony, where can people find out more about Ambassadors and Bridge Builders International?
1: It's, it's a real mouthful, isn't it? It really is. You need an acronym or something. Is there an acronym? Abby, a which is which is where you'll find us. It's it's, it's www. that's Abby for Ambassadors of Bridge Builders International, .org, There's a contact form there if you want to get in contact with me, you have any questions. On that site, I should say Triana, is the largest collection of of information in Australia around conversion therapy, conversion practice, LGBT. And also there's a lot of resources. If you can't find what you're looking for, send me a message and I'll direct you to the article or the resource or the audio, whatever it is. Anthony
0: Van Brown, thanks so much for joining us today on The Latest. I know you're always busy, so I appreciate
1: your time. Triana, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you once again.
0: Huge thank you to Anthony Van Brown for joining us on this episode. If you've enjoyed this show, share it with someone who you know would get something out of it. I'm sure someone in the past has told you, hey, you should listen to this podcast. Now is the time to return the favour. You can also leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help get the word out there about what we do. And if you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, you can subscribe to get notifications every time a new episode releases. If you want to suggest someone who you think would be great being interviewed on the podcast, get in touch with us. Send us an email at info at lgbtiqhealth.org.au and include the word podcast in the subject line. Now, if this podcast has raised any issues for you, you can contact QLife, which provides Australia-wide anonymous LGBTI peer support and referral for people wanting to talk about a range of issues, everything from sexuality and gender to identity and bodies, feelings and relationships. QLife services are completely free and they include both telephone and web chat support delivered by trained LGBTIQ plus community members from across the country. You can call them on one 800 184 527, or visit qlife.org.au to access the web chat. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy.